welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy summer. Hope you're enjoying your summer break with your kids. Today, we have Paige Flam on the show today. Paige is an extraordinary mom who's going to share with us about parenting a child with disabilities. We're going to talk about how her child's diagnosis really altered her vision for her life and her family and how they've been able to adapt to a new normal. We're going to talk about positive parenting. You know that's my favorite topic lately. And we're going to talk about its effectiveness for all children. You might hear some positive parenting techniques and think, well, that would work for my child because fill in the blank, right? But the fact is we all want to seek positive reinforcement and praise in our life, and we do more of what is working for us. So that is why positive parenting really does work. I'm so excited for Paige to share the adaptations her family has made in order to include her daughter in all their family activities, and it really will go to show that having a child with limitations does not need to stand in the way of your happiness, of your exploration and adventure in the world. Paige is just such an extraordinary mom. I can't wait for you to hear from her. So let's get to it with Paige Flam. All right. I am so excited to be chatting with Paige this morning. Hey, Paige. Hey, Jessica. How are you doing? I'm so good. Where am I speaking to you from today? Um, I'm in Layton, Utah, just north of Salt Lake, and we've lived here for the last few months, and we really like it, so it's been fun. awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm just so thrilled to be chatting with you today. I hear from a lot of parents of children with special needs and disabilities that they love from hearing from moms like you who who share their journeys because it just helps them to realize that no matter the diagnosis, no matter the physical limitation or the emotional limitation, whatever it is, you can find joy and adventure and you can really live life even with these limitations and everything um, to a great degree and capacity, you just have to kind of re-envision a new normal. Isn't that right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I feel like I definitely fell in a trap when we first had our daughter, probably like around the time when she was a year old, where I felt like I couldn't live okay. a fun life and stuff like that. And so um, I felt like it was definitely like a mental process that I had to work through where I just kind of had to accept what my life was going to be and then it was up to me to kind of make it how I wanted it to be and so I feel like that's the thing that I love to share now is just the adventures we take our family on and the weird crazy things that we try to do with our daughter with special needs and just kind of living the life as best as we can to kind of give her the best life that she deserves. Amazing and I love that 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 was a process for you so we're going to dig more into that but for people that may not know you will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? Sure, yeah. So I was born and raised in upstate New York. I lived there for 18 years, and then I moved to Utah for college. And my husband and I met at BYU in Provo, and we got married, and we lived in Utah for a few months, and then we had our first son. And shortly after he was born, we got a job offer in North Carolina, so we moved there for two years. And it was when we were in North Carolina that we had our daughter, Kinsley, um, and she had her brain malformations and all of those things happened in that time when we were in North Carolina. And then we moved to Georgia for two years for another job. And then my husband finished his MBA this last summer. And so we started applying to jobs in Utah to move 
that closer to his family and his siblings and everything. And so we've been here since September and I blog over at thehappyflamily.com and that is just kind of where I share everything about our lives and the blog kind of really took off during my pregnancy with our daughter and so it's kind of turned into I don't know if a special needs lifestyle blog is a niche but I just invented it if it isn't so well um, I think it is I think it is a niche because I have heard from so many parents of children with special needs that it is kind of an isolating and lonely path to walk because you are not going to play dates with ease all the time um your life really revolves around doctor's appointments a lot of times and therapies and that is kind of your whole world. And so for people on the outside, it's hard to get them involved. It's hard for them to really understand your day-to-day. And so I'm sure that by going to a blog or following an Instagram account where somebody is walking that similar road, it does give you some validation and some solidarity even without being face-to-face with them, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there's tons of moms that I only know on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I want to know you in real life because <laughs> our lives are just so similar and everything. So I definitely get that. Sure, absolutely. And so – Let's go back to the very beginning of starting your family. What did you envision for your family, and then how did things um, unfold? Yeah, so I was always very active growing up. I did sports all the time. I ran track all through high school. I just finished my first marathon this last spring, so I kind of envisioned my family being incredibly athletic. I wanted that dream soccer mom life where I was running to like 30 sports practices a week and just going through all of that. And then, um, my son, he's five. He hated sports until like a week ago. And I was almost heartbroken about that. But then we, so we had him pretty easily and he's fine and great and healthy. And then we had our daughter, um, and she has special needs, obviously that's why I'm here, but Mm -hmm. she, um, yeah, I, I guess, um, So with her special needs and everything, obviously I had to like wrap my mind around the idea of like, okay, my family isn't going to be, it's not going to be what I thought it was going to be, but I think that we've been able to manage to find the joy regardless. And, you know, obviously I had to wrap my mind around the idea that my daughter's not going to be this three-year-old gymnast, or she's not going to be doing ballet and jumping off of the beds and twirling around and doing all these sassy things that little girls do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think that my life is obviously very different than how I envisioned it, but because of the trials that we've gone through, I have so much more joy and gratitude for the things that I do have than I think I would have if I had just had that perfect envisionment of what I thought for myself when I was younger. Sure, absolutely. And what were the specific needs that your daughter was born with? So her story really all started at our 20-week ultrasound. We were going to our normal OB, and he did the full body scan and he said, you know, I see this little spot on your daughter's brain. It doesn't really look normal and I want you to go to a specialist to have them take a deeper look at it and see what it is. And he told us that he thought it might be a condition called mild ventriculomegaly, which means that there is just a little extra water on the brain. And so we go to the specialist and he confirms what the first doctor saw and he said, your daughter will need a small surgery at birth to place a shunt to drain the water, but she should be fine. And they gave us, you know, 60% chance for absolute normal cognitive development. They didn't think that she would have any physical disabilities or anything like that at that point. And so he had told us, um, come back in two weeks. We'll keep monitoring the situation and we'll just see how things progress throughout your pregnancy. So we come back two weeks later and he says, you know, now that your daughter is a little bit bigger and we can see her brain more clearly, um, 
she looks like she has this condition called holoprosencephaly, which means her brain didn't completely divide into two hemispheres, and the condition is not compatible with life. There is a 1 in 10,000 chance that she'll be born alive and a 1% chance that she'll make it to six months should she live. And so at this point, we weren't really, you know, being a mother of a special needs child wasn't really on my radar because at this point we were just trying to make it through the pregnancy. Hmm. And I mean, at this point, we were really just simultaneously planning a birth and a funeral, all kind of in the same four month process for whatever remainder of the pregnancy and everything. And so we were at um, Duke Medical Center and we had her and there was like a team of 10 doctors and nurses in there ready to assess her and get in there right the second she was born. And all of a sudden she comes out and she's crying and she's breathing without support. She nursed right away without, and she didn't need any feeding help or anything. And so they just monitored her her in the NICU for 30 hours. And then they were like, all right, take her home. She's fine. Um, And they just sent us on our way with this baby that we had you know, zero expectations for. I remember I didn't have, I didn't even go to Target and buy like a blanket for her or anything. And I remember I called my, my friend's mom had came down to North Carolina to help us when I had the baby. And I called her and I was like, we're on our way home right now. And I need you to go to Target and get those swaddle blankets that I really like, because we're coming home and we have nothing. And so she totally ran to Target and was totally just on it for us and everything. But, um, so she was great for about six months, and then at that point, she started not hitting milestones, and we started physical therapy at that point, and I think that was when everything started to get really hard for me because, obviously, I loved this little girl. I We prayed for this miracle for months and months and months, and we had her here, but it was so hard to kind of dive into therapy and be going to doctor's appointments all the time, being in so much debt from all of these medical bills and everything. And I started to be a huge downer in my own life. I was just like, well, I can't do this because Kinsley has special needs. I can't go to this museum because she can't play with the trains or she can't do all the things that the other kids are doing. And so I feel like I really isolated myself from my circle of mom friends and stuff for about a year. And then I had gone to, we were living in Georgia at this point. I'd flown back to North Carolina to go to a women's conference called Time Out for Women. And I was staying with my friend we were just kind of in her car talking about different things and Kinsley. And I was like, do you ever feel like you're just in this fog and you're a spectator in your own life and you can see everyone else having fun and being happy, but for the life of you, you can't, you don't get it and you can't laugh and stuff. And she's like, no, I've never felt that way. And Mm -hmm. I was like, shoot, I think I have postpartum depression and I think I've had it for like a year and I didn't know it and stuff. And so at that point it was kind of a huge turning point for me of like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. What do I need to do for my life to kind of, give my kids the best life that they can have and just kind of start accepting where I'm at more. And so that was a huge turning point for me to just kind of realize the feelings I was having and then knowing that I wanted to give more to my kids and start making those changes from there. Mm. That is a really tricky path to walk. And especially when you're in the middle of it, it's one thing to be an observer into somebody else's life walking this road and to say like, well, I would have done this or, you know, it's not helpful to worry about the things you can't control or let's just try and be happy. It's easy to put that on somebody else, but to be in the midst of it and grappling with so many emotions, you're grieving a reality that you thought you were going to have with your daughter and your whole family going forward that's going to look different. You are trying to figure out all the medical stuff and that's complicated. So there's just so much, there's so much there. So what would you say to a mom that is in the midst of that, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of 
not knowing what the future holds, but struggling to focus on that grieving part while also trying to be hopeful. That feels really complicated. Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I ever did for myself was find support groups on Facebook for with other families that were going through similar things. And so there is like a whole pros and stuff Facebook group that I was a part of for a really long time. And I felt like that was really crucial for me to be able to see other families who were going through the same thing as me and to be able to bounce ideas off of them and be like, Hey, my daughter's doing this right now. What worked for you? Or my kid hasn't slept in three weeks. What do I need to do? And just being able to have that love and support from other moms who are there and who do get it, I think is really, really crucial. Another thing that I felt was really valuable to us was when we were in Georgia, we had a friend whose son had a few, I believe he had a few brain malformations, but he also had autism and he was quite a few years older than my daughter was. And so having that friendship with his mom and being able to say like, Hey, did Thomas do this when he was this older? What was he like at this stage and stuff? And being able to have a mom who's kind of a few years ahead of you and being able to tell you like their experiences and how they worked through problems, I think was really invaluable as well. Just being able to have someone who gets it, you know? Right. And especially if you're suffering from postpartum depression, the world just feels so small. And yes. and your your ability to have anybody identify with you, it feels so unrealistic. Like you're the only one walking this path. You're everything's on you. But realizing right. there's other people that have walked ahead of you. There's people behind you now that you're able to support. But the fact is, like you can you can do this. You can do this. And and grief yeah. and grief is part of it. But then hope is also part of it if you choose right. that path, right? And so once you identified. I think I have postpartum depression. I've had it a while, but, you know, let's not look back. Let's look forward. What were you able to do then to transition from that that fog of, of being kind of a lemming in your own life and an observer to being able to actually take part and start to feel joy again? Right. I think my son – so I have a five-year-old. He's five now, but I think he was a huge motivator for me to kind of figure out what I needed to do to make Kinsley's life better because I would look at him and I would see Kyle riding his bike and I'm like well Kyle's riding his bike and he's having fun so how what's the equivalent to that that Kinsley can do so for her it was getting her a cozy coupe car so Mm -hmm. then Kyle could ride his bike in the driveway Kinsley was sitting in her little cozy coupe car having the time of her life and then all of a sudden now we're all outside now we're all doing something together now we're all having fun. And another situation was, you know, going to the playground. And I thought, well, what is there here for Kinsley to do at the playground? So then it was like, okay, well, we can go to those all abilities playgrounds. And now all of a sudden Kinsley can use her gate trainer at the playground. And now she's running around just like all the other little kids and she's having a blast and the stress is off of me because my older son is also having a blast. Cause I think we also got into this rut where I was so afraid to go just out into the world because I didn't know if my daughter was going to have a meltdown. I didn't know if she was going to not want to use her mobility equipment that day or what that was going to look like. So I would just not go anywhere or do anything. But then that was also kind of simultaneously robbing my son's childhood from him. So then as I thought about what ways, what can I do to give Kyle back pieces of his childhood, it helps me adapt and make parts of Kinsley's childhood more accessible to her, if that makes sense. That is so wise. That is so wise. And just starting there, being like, I can't deprive my son of these opportunities and we'll figure it out with her. 
But then right. I'm sure you saw a whole new world opening up once you just started putting yourself out there and putting her out there and realizing, oh gosh, like this is possible. It looks a little bit different, but we can figure these things out and she can be a child. Yeah, for sure. And I found too that, you know, even just taking her to small things like story time at the library, you know, obviously parents notice her sitting with her leg braces and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I think that having her disabilities kind of more on the outside with her mobility equipment and things, it makes other parents with special needs want, they, they know that I'm going down some sort of road. So then they feel more comfortable coming and talking to me and we're able to kind of build relationships with each other because of their stories and my story coming together and stuff. And being able to just meet other moms in the community who are going through the same thing, I feel like has been really beneficial as well. Yeah. Um, I just had Jessica Lamb on the show from Skip to My Luca. I don't know if you follow her. She's amazing. She has a son with special needs and she's a special education teacher. Um, but we were talking about how, you know, we've all been at the park and as a mom with typical children, I have been there where my child has noticed a child with differences and they have stared or they've said, you know, what's wrong with them? And I want to like shush them because I'm so embarrassed and I don't, and I don't know what to say and what to do. And I feel so grateful to be more educated recently by wonderful moms like you and Jessica, because now I feel like I have more language surrounding that. What I've learned is that the last thing that you want to do is feel like there's a stigma attached to differences and staring. What Jessica explained to me actually just even this morning was staring is part of curiosity and that's normal and natural and kids are just trying to figure it out. Right. But then it is our job then to intercept that and give them something to do with that and to ask the right questions and to say, Hey, I noticed that you have braces on your legs. Like, tell me about that. Or, you know, do you like to play in the sand? I like to play in the sand. Let's play in the sand and creating that common ground. What would you say to parents that want to help their children have those interactions at the playground? Do you like when parents talk to you and ask questions? Do you like it when they address your daughter? How do you like that to play out? So we haven't, I mean, our daughter's three and her vocabulary is still a little limited and stuff. I mean, she's talking, but it's, Mm -hmm. she's not, she's not a huge chatterbox yet. So we haven't really ran into this problem exactly, but there's this other mom whose blog I follow called Love the Love That Max, and she has a son who's 14 with cerebral palsy, and she's kind of talked about this a lot on her blog, and it's kind of like one of those ideas that I want to adopt when we get to that road. Mm-hmm. But she has always said that she never wants to be talking about her son in front of her son. Okay. So when someone's like, hey, what's wrong with Max? She doesn't want to be like, oh, well, this is Max, and he has cerebral palsy. She's kind of taught her son to speak for himself and say, oh, my name's Max. I have cerebral palsy. And just kind of like give a few details. So I, my hmm. hope would be that if someone ever came up to Kinsley and said, hey, what's your deal or whatever to her, I would hope that she would just be able to say, you know, I was born with a brain malformation and these are my leg braces and they help me walk. Or this is my gait trainer and I love running in my gait trainer. I, my hope is that I'm able to at some point teach her these tools to just be able to speak and advocate for herself and be able to tell people on her own, on her own fruition of what her disabilities are and things. But in the meantime, I also don't mind sharing our story with other people when they ask. That's great. Well, and these questions will come for our kids, right? And so preparing them ahead of time. So, you know, having a family meeting and saying, hey, you're going to come across, I mean, we're all different. And you might come across kids with differences at the park and you may wonder about these. Like, what would be the wrong thing to say? 
meaning what's wrong with you. Like nothing's wrong with anybody. We're all just unique and wonderfully made. But what could you say? You know, how could you interact? What if the child doesn't answer? What if they don't have language skills, but they still look like they want to play with you? Right? And so kind of role-playing that out ahead of time so that you aren't in the awkward position of your child saying something. Not to say that if your child does say something wrong that, you know, there's not a way to come back from that because it's just a teaching moment. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Paige today. She's so amazing. But I also wanted to thank one of our show sponsors and that is BioClarity. Let's talk about healthy habits, especially healthy habits for your skin. I was so excited when I found BioClarity because it was really the answer I'd been looking for. I've been using their clear skin routine, and first of all, it's just three easy steps. I do the three easy steps morning and night, and I cannot tell you how good my skin feels. You help fight breakouts, soothe the skin, minimize redness, reduce pore size, and even skin tone. I love that it's delivered straight to my door. And it has this really unique ingredient called Floralex that is a clever form of chlorophyll. It's like a green juice for your skin. That's why I'm feeling so good after. I've had far less breakouts since starting BioClarity. And if you're just looking for a new system to try out, I want you to give BioClarity a try. You can get started on healthier habits with your skincare by going to bioclarity.com and my listeners will get their first month for 50% off a routine. Plus shipping is free and it comes with a 100% risk-free money back guarantee, but you need to enter my code EMP. That's bioclarity.com and enter my code EMP. Kids give us enough gray hairs. Don't let your skin show the wear and tear of motherhood. So check out BioClarity and thank you so much to them for sponsoring today's show. All righty, let's get back to my incredible conversation with Paige. I remember a few weeks ago, we were actually at um, Shriners Hospital here in Salt Lake. That's where my daughter receives all of her services. Mm -hmm. And we were in the elevator and there was this little boy who was in a wheelchair and he had a rag in his mouth and he was just chewing on it. And my son said in front of the other person's mom, but he was talking to me. He said, Mm -hmm. mommy, what's that in his mouth? And uh, he has some friends. Well, I have friends who have kids with autism and my son has played with them. And so I was just kind of like, oh, well, you know how so-and-so needs help and he needs extra help doing things and stuff. Well, this little boy, he just really likes chewing on that because it comforts him and it feels nice to him. And his mom was just, she just kind of nodded along and agreed with what Mm -hmm. I'd said. And she didn't really say too much in the elevator, but um, I definitely, just kind of what you said, you know, kids do notice and, you know, I think we just have to kind of ease them into it and just say like, you know, he needs a little bit more help than so than you do, or this is really comforting to him because he feels scared or frightened or whatever. I think just kind of like helping kids navigate, like this is what they're doing because they feel this way and they do this because of this reason. And I don't know if that even makes sense or not, but yeah, no, it definitely does. And we're really educating our kids on how to think about those things as well. So is chewing on a rag, something that is going to be discarded and thought of as strange, or is it something that like, Oh, I see, like I have comfort items too. And this is their comfort item. Um, And so really we're educating them on how to think about it, not just what to say and what not to say. And, not to say the wrong thing. Because when we really right. just shut down the comments or don't talk about it or don't look at him or that's rude, we're really not doing anything for the next time or we're not really expanding their worldview. Sure, right, yeah. yeah. So what are some of the things that you've been able to do as a family since you've had the shift in perspective that have really opened up your world to living a thriving, joyful life as a family? 
Um, sure. So when we moved to Utah, it became a huge goal for us. You know, we are among some of the world's most beautiful mountains and everything. And my husband and I love hiking and being in nature. And we thought, man, what do we need to do to be able to bring Kinsley to nature? And there's been tons of studies that say bringing special needs kids outdoors and letting them be in nature is very therapeutic for them. And so we were like, well, we want to go hiking. So what do we need to do? So then I started researching um, companies that make baby carriers for older kids. And so we found a baby carrier that holds up to 75 pounds. My daughter has a long way to go until she hits 75 pounds. So we've got that and we'll just strap her on her back and we go out into the mountains and we hike mountains, which for a family with a child who cannot walk without a walker, that is so huge and liberating to say, we just hiked a mountain together, you guys. Like hmm. that I think was a really freeing moment for us to be able to just be on a mountain with my family and feeling just a small part of what that original hope for my motherhood would feel like. Sure, it was really exhausting because I had a 30-pound three-year-old on my back, <laughs> but liberating at the same time. I love that so much. And yeah, and when you shut down a part of yourself or your life or the things that you love because you feel like, well, that's just not in the cards anymore. We can never be out in nature because she can't walk down a rocky path. You're really robbing yourself of the joy of life and you're really shutting them down from if if that's what you love to expose them to and they see you happiest out in nature if they never got to see that from you as their mom how sad right, right? I sure. love that you problem solved through that and now you can enjoy that anything else that you've that you've done that have been so much fun um, one thing that I thought was really, really great was there's actually a ballet company here in Salt Lake called, I think it's Ballet West Academy, or it could be mix, mixing up the words together. But anyway, they have a special needs ballet class and they invited, I think they just somehow came across me on Instagram or something and they emailed me and said, Hey, we have this special needs ballet class. Would you and your daughter want to be a part of it? And I thought that was amazing. And so we brought her. And she just being with kids in her own environment that were also trying to do ballet and stuff was such an amazing experience for her to be able to just see, wow, all these other kids are just like me. Because up until this point, she even now in school, she's in special needs preschool, but she is the only kid in her preschool class that can't walk. And so for her to see all these other kids in their gait trainers with their leg braces and stuff, mm. she absolutely loved it and just thrived in this environment with her you know, same type of peers and stuff. So I thought that was probably one of the most incredible things that we were able to do for her was bringing her to that class. Amazing. Amazing. I bet that would just make you cry every single time. I don't oh, think. Yeah. Luckily, they, they don't let the parents in the okay, room. Okay, that's probably just, good. Like, sat outside bawling. They're all a basket case. Totally. I think that's probably for the best. Oh, yeah. so special. Well, one thing that is universal across the board for all parents, all intentional parents, and probably every parent listening, because every parent listening is extraordinary because they care enough to listen to a motherhood podcast, right? Okay. We want our kids to know we love them. And for me, I'm kind of a recovering yeller. Like I never thought I was going to yell at my kids. I thought I'd be able to keep it together better, but that is my go-to when I'm frustrated or when I just, that's just my trigger. And I have worked on that and through positive parenting and intentional parenting, I've really been able to overcome that and being able to manage my emotions better so that I can model that and help them to manage their emotions. Hello. Like that makes such sense, right? <laughs> Why did right. this not occur to me sooner that if I was screaming, I couldn't ask them to stop yelling at each other. Anyways, 
sometimes, though, positive parenting gets some pushback from parents, you know, whatever the needs are, special needs or or not, maybe just difficult children of why positive parenting can't work for them. And I know you're a big advocate for positive parenting and, and praising the good and giving them attention for what you want them to repeat, the behaviors you want them to repeat. Um, I don't want to be a criticizing parent. I want to be a loving parent where they think of how much their mom saw the good in them. Tell me about how that looks in your home, both with your son, who is typical, and with your daughter. How does positive parenting look differently? And do you ever feel like there's an exception for your child's special needs? Yeah, sure. So I came across Ralphie from Simply On Purpose, and she was the one that really introduced positive parenting to me. And mm-hmm. it came at a time when my daughter, she just recently got diagnosed with sensory processing disorder. But before that diagnosis came, my husband and I thought that we just kind of had the world's most miserable child, and she would just scream and whine and complain about everything, and she would just get set off and there was like a six month period where it just felt like our home was just her screaming all the time. And then her screaming would trigger me to be like, just stop screaming. And right. I'm screaming and mm-hmm. there is no peace to be found in the home. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, either she needs to be institutionalized or I do, but the two of us cannot keep going down this road for the rest of our lives. And that's when kind of within that same week where I had that thought, I came across Ralphie and simply on purpose and I think I actually might have known about her beforehand, but it was at this point where I was like, I have nothing else to lose but to try her ideas. And so the number one takeaway that I had taken from that was to ignore junk behavior. And there was so much junk behavior going on in our home that I just, I had, if I wanted to be a sane mother, I needed to just ignore it. So my daughter would be having a temper tantrum in the living room, screaming her face off. And I would be sitting on my kitchen counter, shoving my face full of chocolate chips, completely (laughs) ignoring her. And, um, at first I thought I was crazy. I think my husband thought I was crazy that I'm just sitting here blatantly ignoring my special needs daughter who's screaming. But we came to realize that if we just let her scream it out for five minutes, she could come down on her own so much faster than if my husband and I were like, do you want to play with this toy? Do you want this? Do you want to watch a show? Do you want some chocolate? Trying to throw all these things at her that would just Mm -hmm. overload her brain with too much. sensory input coming in from us constantly that it was just so much easier we found to just simply ignore the junk behavior and you know and then again once she's able to calm down getting that behavior going in a positive direction again so oh I love the way you're sitting at the coffee table coloring I love when you use your words and ask me nicely I love when you don't throw toys at your brother and really getting that parenting shift in the right direction it has really truly helped so much with her. And I know that there are definitely people with special needs who with parents who have special needs children where simply ignoring the junk behavior is not within the cognitive realm for their child, their child that I know there's some kids that just simply it would not work for, mm-hmm. but for our daughter, it really has worked. And, you know, she's missing part of her brainstem and her corpus callosum. So I, it doesn't hurt to try no matter what right. your circumstances are to at least try it once. It could be life changing. But for our son to um, just letting him know, I feel like we're not as intense with it with our son because he really is the salt of the earth. He is just a very good kid. And so with him, mostly how that looks like is we'll ask him to do something and he'll kind of roll his eyes or he'll say, oh, my legs are so tired. I cannot go get that dirty (laughs) sock off the floor and things like that. And so 
for him, it mostly just looks like us saying, show me happy face. And he'll put on a happy face and be like, oh, can you go get that sock for me? And he's like, okay, mom. And then we're like, oh, thank you so much for getting that sock. You're such a big helper. And then when we praise him, his whole face just lights up and he has the cutest dimples ever. And so once you get, once you get the dimples out, then life is pretty good again. It's over. Well, and I like how you said, like, he's a pretty good kid generally. And so you might think he doesn't need it as much. But just because you're doing the right things, does that mean that you don't want to be praised for what you're doing? <laughs> sure, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that is something I forget all the time, too, yeah. because he is such a good kid. And right. just like, you know, Ralph Lee from Simply On Purpose mentions, 94% of the good our kids do goes unnoticed. And so yes. I try to remember that and try to praise as much as I can because I don't want – I want them to know that I notice them, you know? Yes, absolutely. And like you said, for some parents with – you know, really exceeding circumstances where it's not developmentally reasonable that their child's going to respond or get rid of a certain behavior because of their cognitive ability or whatever it is. So that there is, there is that segment. However, it is so much more fun to parent leading with love and leading with positivity than it is to criticize. I've noticed such a shift, not only in my kids' behavior since I've really focused upon this, but in my own sentiment, in my own day-to-day feelings, I feel kind of like a faker. Like I was doing this with my son who was throwing a little bit of a tantrum out in public yesterday. He was just starting to get there. He was starting to push it. He didn't want to be there. He, he wasn't getting exactly what he wanted when he wanted it, and I could see it start to go. And I felt a little bit like a fraud because there was a man very close to me that could hear me. and It was an older gentleman, and I thought, it seems probably like I'm putting on a show, but... I was able to not have it progress to that point because I was like, oh, you want the ketchup next to your drink, but it's about to fall off. What can we do? And, you know, and it sounds a little bit cheesy and sing-songy and a little bit, I don't know, silly when you think about it or you think about how it might seem to other people. All I know is that it never amounted to a tantrum and I never lost my cool and I never felt self-conscious in a bad way. I would way rather err on that side than you know, resort to my other tactics that I have in the past. It just is a way more fun way to parent, even if, you know, but you're not going to see little results. I think you can see huge results. I'm not even going to say that. But I think if you consistently praise your children for what you want them to do, ignore the junk behavior, like you said, and only, you know, give out consequences when it's absolutely necessary or you should never really criticize, but correct your child when it is absolutely imperative – they will change their behavior. They will. Yes, for sure. And I, there have been times when I used to fear just going on a drive with my kids for over an hour because Mm. I knew that was one of those situations where Kinsley could just not handle being in a car for an hour. And I would be the mom screaming at my kids to stop screaming. Right. And we have just kind of gotten this in such a good momentum now where I can put my kids in the car for an hour and we don't need the DVD player in the car and we don't need all these electronics to keep them busy in fear of them screaming because we've just gotten this parenting shift going in the right direction through positive parenting that these moments that I used to just absolutely dread are just so much more enjoyable now. Good for you, Paige. Good for you. Do you feel like a success story in this like are you proud of yourself do you feel that sense of accomplishment getting to the place that you're in now because I think a lot of moms don't acknowledge how far they've come when they've really been intentional yes for sure there was times especially when you're just when you're screaming at your kids all the time and no one is really happy because I've been there I have Mm -hmm. screamed 
I've screamed so loud that my throat has hurt from screaming at my kids. Yeah. And like, no one wants to admit that they're that parent and stuff. But thinking back on it now, like, my throat has not hurt from screaming in so long. And that <laughs> feels great. And just knowing the overall spirit and happiness of our home is so much greater since implementing these things and everyone can see and feel the difference, my husband included. And it has really just positively benefited our home in so many different ways. So yeah, definitely patting myself on the back. So good. I'm glad. I'm glad you can acknowledge that. I'm feeling that too. And I hope that when I share, you know, on Insta stories or whatever, that people don't view it as like, oh, well, she's just thinks she's so great or whatever. I'm just trying to give you hope. Like, I am a regular mom. I want to right. go off the handle at these annoying behaviors. I I constantly am battling that, but I'm just finding a new way that is working better for me. And I'm hoping that other moms that are feeling frustrated or at their wit's end can realize there are, there are other options. There's other right. options that might work better, and it's at least worth a try. At the very yes. least, just give it a try. I think another important thing to point out with what Ralphie says is all of these behaviors, your goal is to get them in a tolerable level, right? So siblings will always fight. Um, kids will always throw tantrums to some degree. There will, there will be back talk. There will be potty talk. There's, there's always going to be human behaviors in your home. Imagine that. Right. But to get them in a tolerable level. Is it a reasonable amount to expect from an imperfect human being that they would give back talk sometime or they would be grumpy or they wouldn't hop too quickly to get in the car to go to school? If that is where you're living, good job. Good, good job. If it's out of the range of normal, that's when you really start, you know, trying to correct these behaviors and really focusing on individual things that you want to change in your home. Right. Yeah. So for your son, let's talk about your son for a minute. Okay. With a sister with special needs, um, I think it's really cool that she has an older brother, and I bet you do too, to kind of be her protector and her friend. What has having a sister with a disability offered to him, and what do you hope for him in his life? Honestly, so this is probably going to be the part of the podcast where I cry because my Mm -hmm. son there is a reason Heavenly Father sent him to us first. And I remember when we were pregnant with Kinsley, I thought we have got to get pregnant with another kid right after this so that Kyle can have a normal sibling relationship with someone because I was like, there's no way he's ever going to have that with Kinsley. Mm. And we didn't have another child right away. And his relationship with Kinsley is honestly the most beautiful thing that I have ever seen in my entire life. He You have not lived until you've seen your five-year-old son cheering on your three-year-old daughter as she climbs up the stairs for the first time. It is the most heartwarming thing. Sorry. I'm I'm a boob. I cry a lot. I'm sorry. (laughs) It is the most heartwarming thing ever to see him cheering her on or she'll come home and she'll start counting from one to ten and he gasps and he's like, she knows how to do that? She is so smart and he is just so excited for each and every little milestone and we've had moments in physical therapy where she when she was first learning to walk in a gait trainer she was terrified of you know you can imagine being a small little girl being stuck in this contraption and then being told to walk it was very scary for her especially since she had sensory processing disorder which we didn't know at the time and it was just very scary for her and so Kyle was like, here, Kinsley, I'll show you. And he gets in the gate trainer and he starts walking. And she's like, oh, that's fun. I want to do that. And so then she gets in the gate trainer. And it was the same thing. We recently got her an adaptive bicycle so that she can 
sit on a bike and be safe, but also pedal her legs and move. And when we put her in the bike originally, she didn't want anything to do with it. And again, felt threatened and scared. And my son hops into the bike and shows her how to use it. And then she thinks, again, it's the greatest thing ever. And she uses the bicycle. And it's just been really amazing to see how heartwarming and sensitive my son can be to her. And I've seen that translate in so many other interactions where we do have friends who have kids with autism and he just understands that those kids need more help. So he'll come home after playing there and he was, he'll say, so-and-so really needed some extra help. So I gave him the toy that he wanted, or I helped him get something that he was having a hard time with, or I took the cap off the marker for them because they couldn't really figure it out and stuff. And he just has such a deeper love in a, this way of where he's capable of empathizing with others so deep for a five-year-old boy. I feel like it's really helped shape his whole entire world and personality. And I think it's going to do amazing things for him in his life going forward, just being able to empathize with other people. I do too. I do too. And I think parents often tend to err on the side of feeling like their child is at a disadvantage when they face challenges in life or when they have a a sibling that demands more attention and more resources at times or – if they face any challenge really in life. But really, those challenges, and and really we can't even view your daughter as a challenge, like what a gift. But whatever your child and your family is dealt, it's like a family calling. Like you're all equipped for this. And it's all for your your edification, her edification, his edification. And he's going to be his best self because of her. Right. Right? For sure. Mm, I love it. Paige, you're amazing. This has been such a treat to get to chat. My favorite topic, positive parenting. And I just love hearing from the perspective of how it can work in your home that does look different than mine, but really every home looks different. So <laughs> there's very, you know, that there's such variation. And so um, I hope people will, will just give it a try if they haven't yet. Um, but I always ask my guests one final question, and it is this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Um, this is something I kind of thought about a lot over the last few days. And I think the biggest thing that I'm able to come up with is that the things that you think are going to be a big deal are not going to be a big deal. There is such a larger world out there than just being the best Pinterest mom. We're having this picture perfect family and that you're really going to find the most joy in your life from things that you never would have thought would have brought you joy because life is full of surprises and twists and turns, but it's when you get in there and overcome those struggles and trials, that is what's going to truly bring you the most happiness, not just being this picture perfect idea of what you think is a perfect family, but just really accepting who you are and the trials you've been given and working through them and overcoming them, I think is when you're going to find the most joy in life. I could not agree more. Paige, you're amazing. Where can people find you online? Um, so my blog is thehappyflamily.com. It's a little play off our last name. <laughs> um, and then I'm also the Happy Flamily on Instagram and pretty much every other social media outlet too. So Amazing. And if they want to see cute pictures of your family, they can go to extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your motherhood journey today, Paige. It's been a real treat. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. What a great, great conversation with Paige. She is so amazing. And I love her honesty about her journey through re-envisioning a new future. It didn't happen overnight. She didn't not have fears in the beginning, but it didn't mean she couldn't get there in order to really believe her family could have adventures. They could do the things they once loved together. 
no matter what circumstances and how they changed. So, so good. If you want to see cute pictures of Paige and her family on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com, you can head over there as well as all the show notes for past episodes are there as well. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Coming up next week on the show, we have Kristen Andrus. Kristen is a ball of energy. You may know her online as the Mrs. Traeger. You may know her as a mom of six. You may know her as a fitness guru. She is such a light online, and what I really love is that she tells it like it is. I'd love to see her pursuing her passions alongside really enjoying motherhood. So we're going to talk all about the things in her life that bring her joy, light her up, and I can't wait for you to get to know more about her motherhood journey. So thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. If you loved it, share it, screenshot it on your social, and spread it out. You guys are influencers. Mothers have great influence, and, and I would just love for you to share the show and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye. <laughs>